Welcome to the Marriage Battle Plan Podcast. You know, a lot of couples struggle to communicate clearly in their marriages, and it's costing them a lot of heartache and pain. Our mission here is to help you communicate better with your spouse using combat-proven military communication strategies so you can enjoy your marriage more every single day. If you haven't done so already, please take the next three seconds. That's right, just the next three seconds. And simply click that five-star review button if you think this is a five-star podcast so we can reach even more people just like you and your family and friends and loved ones and help you all continue to win in your marriage. Hey everybody, welcome to the Marriage Battle Plan podcast, where we believe marriage doesn't have to suck. A lot of people say, and it's very cliche, but they say things like, every day should be in the honeymoon phase. (laughs) I think they've been married a few times, most people who say that. But here's what we've learned, and you probably would agree with this. Marriage is a lot less like a honeymoon, and a lot more like a battlefield. Mm -hmm. And in this podcast, we talk about proven military communication battlefield strategies that you can use to win the battles in your marriage. Why? Because marriage is like a battlefield. It is a battlefield. And when you understand how a battlefield works, you'll understand how to make your marriage work. So today, we haven't actually revealed the entire battle plan. But throughout these episodes, we're going to to be revealing different little pieces of what exactly the marriage battle plan is. These are segments that uh, in the military we used to plan and carry out real-world missions uh, in war, in my case, in Afghanistan. And we can we convert these into a marriage relationship. We adapted some of these concepts. And Jamie, what, uh, what part of the battle plan are we talking about today? Well, the part of the battle plan we're talking about is the enemy. The enemy. Your marriage has enemies, in case you didn't know that. All right, everybody has enemies. And I said this in the last episode, a lot of people think this is a myth. A lot of people think that their spouse is the enemy. Mm -hmm. But that's actually what the enemy, the real enemy, wants you to think. And also, like I said in last episode, some of you, and this is like a disclaimer because I'm I'm the guy who's always pointing out where the the guy talking is wrong. 1% of you probably married a complete psychopath. And your your spouse probably is the enemy. But that's not mostly the case. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. As we talk about the enemy... Uh, you know, in Afghanistan, we didn't always know who the enemy was. Why? Well, when they're shooting at you, you definitely know who they are. The problem is, not just in, in Afghanistan, but in Vietnam, they had this same problem. The enemy looked just like the civilians who were not the enemy. Mm-hmm. They were dressed just like them. They camouflage themselves by literally, not in camouflage, but literally by just dressing like the local population. Yeah. So you don't actually know... I mean, somebody could be your friend by day, and then at night, they pull out their AK-47 and start firing on you, mm-hmm. and you just didn't know, and that kind of stuff happens. I have, I have friends who that has happened to, and they were shot in that process, and thankfully survived, but in your marriage, here's the here's the, the kicker. In your marriage, there are things that the enemy disguises itself as, and when you learn to to identify what the real enemy looks like in your marriage... You'll be able to win the battles in your marriage and the things that are frustrating uh, the two of you and the things that are causing so much friction in your relationship. Yeah. And so a lot of people say, well, we have this one issue in our marriage. Take any issue, any issue you can have in marriage. My husband's always mad. Well, in that case, what? Your husband's the enemy, right? This mad husband? You would think. That's what the real enemy wants you to think. It's actually not. In that case, the angry spouse, whether it's husband or wife, the angry spouse, the anger coming out of them, that's actually an indication of the presence of the enemy, Mm -hmm. not the enemy itself. It's proof that the enemy is there. It's the outcome of the fact that the enemy is doing things. Now, in Christianity, you know, the enemy is always referred to as Satan, the devil. All right. And so as the ultimate source. So we can very easily personify that. And point and go, that's the source of all evil. Mm-hmm. Now, in your marriage, it might not literally be Satan, but it can be other things. And here's the truth. Here's the real truth. If you really want to find it, I'm going to stop talking here in a minute, I promise. You're very patient with me. 
But here's the real truth. If you want to find out who the real enemy is in your marriage, the real enemy always lies just beneath the surface of the obvious problem. Mm -hmm. I'll say that again. The real enemy in your marriage always, always lies just beneath the surface of the obvious problem. Remember how we said they like to lay low? They like to stay out of sight until they can strike at their enemy when it's unexpected, which is you and me. Uh, It's actually a smart move tactically. Um, You just don't want to be on the receiving end of that. So when you are dealing with an issue in your marriage, maybe it was an an infidelity. Maybe it was an argument about sex or about the kids or about discipline or about money. Money, sex, discipline. You know, where you're going out to eat for dinner tonight. That is not the enemy. There are enemies beneath those things. Whether it's the selfishness in them or it's a fear in them. Uh, for example, growing up, uh, we grew up with no money. So usually when I'm stressing about money, it's not the fact that I'm a cheapskate. It's the fact that there's an, a deep inner fear that we're going to run out and be destitute. Now, that's never happened, and we're nowhere near that. But that fear is still there. Yeah. So, Jamie, what is this question that we have here today? Uh, I asked this question on social media. We polled a bunch of people, and we're going to read some of their answers, and I think you're going to relate, and we're also going to address them. So it says, what is one thing you wish you would have known before getting married? Hmm. What do you... Oh, wow. What do you... Well, here, before we look at those, and Jamie hasn't seen these, so... And I'm going to mark this episode as explicit because people get very passionate in some of these, but don't worry, it's not going to be too bad. Um, Well, Jamie, tell me this. What do you wish you would have known before we got married? Hmm. She's on the spot. She didn't know I was going to ask her this. I don't know. That's a tough one. I have to think about that for a minute. I know something you said before, and I know it's true. Something you told me. I tell you a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) You, You don't tell me a lot of things? No, I, I mean, said I tell you a lot of things, oh, so I don't you, know. You do tell, tell me a lot of things. <laughs> um, but um, one of the things is that, you know, I went to war as the man you married three months earlier. Mm. and went to war and I came back yeah, pretty different person for understandable reasons. Mm-hmm. I th- you know, I, and you told me before, like, I, I wish, you know, you probably would have wished you would have known who you're going to spend 99% of your marriage with, the kind of person you would. Yeah. Because I've often told you I think you got a raw deal just because I was different. And I've, got, I've gotten better over the years. and But uh, yeah, I know we've talked about that. So mm-hmm. since I put you on the spot, I figured I'd give you a way out. And I was like, uh, <laughs> trying to think. Would you agree with that? I mean, I know you told me that. What? Yeah. I mean, but I wouldn't have. I obviously wouldn't have changed the fact that I still married you. Like, it wouldn't have changed that. Oh, now I know that he would be different. Like, I wouldn't have changed. Like, I still loved you and wanted to be with you for the rest of my life. So that I knew that, I mean, even if I did know ahead of time, it wouldn't have changed the fact that I would still be with you, though. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. She would have <laughs> loved me anyway. <laughs> well, Jamie, what's the, what's the first one we have? So the question is, what is one thing you wish you would have known before getting married? Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you're watching this somewhere... If you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment. What do you wish you would have known before you got married? Yeah. Um, The first one says, oh, wow, how unhappy I was going to be. Yikes. Mm. Mm. You know what's interesting about that? People get married with this grand vision of being happy forever together. Mm -hmm. And that actually turned out to be the complete opposite for that person. Yeah. Wow. How the next one? Uh, who he actually was. So she got married and didn't actually know who he was. Like, actually. And, you know, I, I don't... A lot of people say, well, you should have known what you were getting into. Mm. People say that. Yeah. I disagree mm. with that. You can only know so much and you should do your due diligence. But I, on the flip side, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I disagree. Tell me about that. What are your thoughts? Um, because you're, you're, you're giving somebody your best when you're dating them. Even when you're engaged, you're still giving them their bet, your best, your guards are still up. 
You're trying to impress them. You're trying to impress them. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah. And then you get married and I mean, I've, I've had people say, uh, several people say like, like a light switch, they changed completely, completely turned around the 180 from who they were when they were dating and engaged to someone that they don't even recognize. It's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. I know men and women both do that. I can talk from a man's point of view. Number one, I would never want to do that because I'd like to be happy. Mm-hmm. And if I was pretending to be somebody and now we're married and I change, that's going to create obvious friction. Just kind of a common sense thing. Uh, I'm not perfect, obviously, but um, I think people do that. I'm not an expert in narcissism and uh, I don't think I am one. <laughs> Uh, but I think that's a sign of like a, a control freak, like a narcissist, somebody who's really controlling, really mm-hmm. domineering, uh, obviously dishonest. Mm-hmm. I mean, to lead someone on to think you're something that you're not just to, to win them, to mm-hmm. get them pregnant or get the ring on the finger. And now you got them. And then you just turn into this thing that you are mm-hmm. the whole time. And here's the thing. A lot of people who act like that, who do that. I don't know if they realize they're doing it or if they're just that selfish. I think it's both. But it doesn't always end well for the perpetrator, so to speak, the person who changed themselves. No, because after after dealing with it for so long, I mean, some people, I mean, not everybody, unfortunately, but some people are like, no, I've had enough of this. I'm done. Bye. Yeah. See ya. And a lot of times that's the woman. And there's a lot of women's rights when it comes to custody. Mm-hmm. Child support, alimony. And so let's say, for example, it was a guy who just wasn't honest about who he was. Mm-hmm. And then she lasts two, three, five years and says, I'm done with the abuse. I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. Now she's going to take half of what she got, if you're lucky. Yeah. I heard a story the other day on another podcast. A guy was talking about a friend of his who he had quite a bit of money, but it actually ended up being where she got more than half of all of his stuff. Wow. More than half. And he had a pair of child support and alimony to upkeep the, the lifestyle she was accustomed to. They were pretty well off. So, mm-hmm. um, and not only that, here's the real kicker. And I don't know if this guy was the kind of guy we're talking about. It didn't sound like it, but let's say it was. He, for some crazy reason, he had to pay for her lawyer fees, all of them, for her to divorce him. Can you imagine paying your enemy their, the fee for them to fight you? And what the wife kept doing was bringing back in court, dragging back in court, every little thing, because it would cost him. And she was trying to just sink him financially. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a thing he could apparently do about it. And if he didn't do what he was supposed to, like, he would go to jail. It's just, I wow. mean, just a sick person. In this case, like, it sounded like the woman was the terrible side, not mm-hmm. the guy. Mm-hmm. But if that was a guy that got into that, and then a woman decided, you know what? You're abusing me. I'm going to take you for everything you got. Maybe she'd feel justified in doing that. Maybe she would be. But that's where it can end bad for even a a, a narcissistic or controlling bad person who is going to change suddenly since you're married. Yeah. You know? And I think it's a lot like you said. We're trying to impress people. We're trying to Mm -hmm. put on our best. Yeah. But, you know, it's like I know other people now, though. It's like they're like on their second or third marriage. They're in their mid-30s. And um, no one in particular. But, you know... They're like people who have been burned a few times. They just go, look, when they meet somebody, here's who I am. Here's what I'm like. Here's what I believe. Take, Take it or leave, leave it. it. Yeah. And like, I wish everybody would do that when they're 17, 18, 19 years yeah. old, mm-hmm. 20, 21, 25, when you first meet somebody. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much like drama and BS you would just avoid? Yeah. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's me talking a lot again. I talk for a living, by the way. I write books and I speak. So I'm really trying to control myself here. You can read the next one. How the F did I make it through high school without a wife? <laughs> that's his. That's his. Okay. Um, the question was, uh, what's the one thing you wish you would have known before you got married? I'm not sure if that's totally relevant. Uh, why would I be paying all the bills? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a guy who said that. And I, mean, I think part of that's being the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that there aren't career people or there aren't, you know, the husband and wife both are career people, yeah. or maybe the wife makes more and they have a, a different kind of arrangement. That happens too, mm-hmm. especially nowadays. Yeah. Um, 
marriage only benefits the woman. Hmm. Mm. What do you think about that? I don't know. Marriage only benefits the woman. These are all opinions, by the way, not facts. Hmm. I guess I'd like to know more of kind of what he means by that. I think he's been burned. I, I think because uh, a very common thing that a lot of guys today are afraid to get married because if you get divorced, it's generally the guy who loses everything, mm-hmm. not the woman. Yeah. And so there's there's a lot of uh, really sore feelings toward marriage. Like why this fear of why get married when I'm going to risk everything, mm-hmm. you know, and possibly lose it. And when over 50% of all marriages end in divorce, those aren't very good odds. Yeah. You know, nobody plans for it to happen. But, you know, if it only benefits the woman, well, um, again, that could go either way, depending on the individual circumstance. But I think that's where this particular person is commenting from, uh, I would imagine. <clears throat> all right. What do you think? What's the next one? How a person could feel more alone in a relationship than not in one. Wow. How much work it is to stay connected. Wow. So address that first one. How a person could feel more alone in a relationship than not in one. Well, I mean, my first thought is, are they not communicating? Is she always the one that's trying to say, hey, babe, I want to talk to you about this. And he's like, you're nagging me. I don't want to hear your crap. Yeah. I don't know. Um could be that. Um, Some sort of disconnect, obviously, yeah. Yeah. Um, feel more alone. Or, yeah. I mean, that's the, or maybe they don't even go on dates. Like if they don't, if she's always saying, hey, I wish we'd go on dates more often. And he's just like, no. Like if he just doesn't care. I don't know. That, that might be too. That might be it too. Yeah. Let's see. What's the next one? Full transparency of their savings and 401k. Hmm. So maybe they got married and didn't realize, like, they don't have a savings or. Maybe he was driving in a real nice new Mercedes, Beamer, looking the style, got mm-hmm. the expensive clothes, come mm-hmm. to find out he dished it out all in credit cards and he's buried under yeah. a mountain of debt with compounding interest. Mm-hmm. Eight, to the likes of tunes of 18 to 32% for the next 20, 30 years. Yeah. That could be. Um, or or if they actually had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, but they didn't tell you. Maybe because they don't want, they had to know that you loved them for them and not for their money. Yeah. Then again, I, I think I can see some women who would be upset about that because of like a feeling of dishonesty. I would actually understand that though. And I think the woman should, uh, if that's the case, if it's a woman, would be delighted to know, I just married someone who's loaded. Like, mm-hmm. if you actually love them and you didn't know about it and you found out, that would be a good thing. Yeah. I think that that comment, though, might actually be more like, mm-hmm. everything looked good and then you're buried. Now, I, di- I, like, I didn't know that, I think when we got married, you had like two or three grand in college debt mm-hmm. and a couple credit cards or something. Like, I didn't actually know about it, but it was like, you know, a few grand so I wasn't mm-hmm. that upset, but uh, plus when I deployed, I got a bunch of extra money. It was all tax-free, and so I thought, well, we can pay for it. But, you know, that would have been something, actually, if I, you know, because we got married when we were, like, 20. One. And so, 20. Well, I was 20. You were 20. Were you 21? We were both 21. Okay. Because it was in December. Okay. I'm not doing math on, <laughs> on screen right now. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, I didn't know that. It would have been nice to know, but it wasn't actually a big deal. If you were, like, 30 or 50 grand in debt. I would have been like, wow, I wish you would have disclosed that, you know, because mm-hmm. I didn't think to ask it. Yeah. Um, all right. The next one is <laughs> how much of a pain in the ass divorce is. See, that, that's one battle, Jamie and I, we don't actually know. Neither of us have ever been divorced. We, we've only been mm-hmm. married to each other. Thankfully, it's worked out. Like, we have a lot of good friends, men and women both, who uh, it did not work out for several reasons. Yeah. Many, many reasons. Small reasons, but also many good reasons. And, uh, you know, we come from, you know, pretty conservative backgrounds. We hear a lot of people say there's no excuse for the divorce. Uh, I completely disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, based on the, the things I've seen mm-hmm. and based on what the Bible actually says, we won't go into theological lesson here. But, um, you know, there are reasons that things end. And I've watched people emotionally 
uh, get hurt, even physically get hurt, um, and, and financially get drained and destroyed, and they've had to start the lives of their careers have ended. So that would definitely be a pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one says, I wish I would have known how much of an ass he was. That's probably that's probably a common one. <laughs> I think I think every person is is kind of an ass. Like no, I I probably am a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't tell me that because she's so pure, little cherub angel over here. <laughs> but at least I know it when I am. Yeah, we mostly, talk. mostly, mostly. <laughs> All right. Read the next one. Uh, that he would end up telling his ex. Oh wow, that he would end up telling his ex girlfriend that they should have gotten married. Why would you do that? So a guy's married to her. Tells his ex girlfriend that he should have married her instead. Ah oh, man, wow, that would hurt. So I wonder if like she heard it through the grapevine, or if you heard him say it, or dang, that would that would feel. Really betrayal, like, betraying, yeah, yeah, big time, yeah. Mm. One person said, "Please tell me you divorced him," and you know this. Uh, the lady responded. She said, "No." Everyone says, "I need to move past it because he made a mistake and told her he made a mistake uh, by talking to her." So I'm being told I need to get over it, but I'm still very hurt. Well, yeah, that's hard. That's something to get over. That's hard. That would be something. If you did that to me, that'd be really hard to to move past that. Imagine if you had family. And friends saying, well, hey, he admitted it, so get over it. That's, I don't it's know. It's not how, that I, easy to get over something like that. I don't know how good a friend. betrayed so deeply that in that way. Yeah. Especially because women are so emotional. <clears throat> um, Like, yeah. no, that's not going to be something that's easy to just get over. You know, and I don't know this person's background, but I know a lot of people who, who have people advising them like that. I'm not going to, I wouldn't. Tell this lady, one way or another, you should leave him, you shouldn't leave him. That's mm-hmm. not my place. Mm-hmm. But to tell a person to get over it, something like that. A lot of people come from a, a very strict legalistic upbringing mm-hmm. where there's no wiggle room. Like like I said a few minutes ago, some people say there's no excuse for divorce. That's not true. Um, it's not biblical either if that's where you're coming from. Um, most cases, it's probably not, but there are definitely exceptions. I think... I think this person, uh, the people telling them, telling her she needs to get over it, probably are coming from a place of they're thinking of the legalistic rule they had drilled into them, maybe growing up or most of their life. And they're operating out of that rather than compassion and understanding and putting themselves in her shoes. Yeah. That would be my guess. Because mm-hmm. I can't imagine telling something like, what kind of mindset would I have to be in to tell somebody, well, you know, that they, they, your spouse said that to their ex. And well, you just need to get over it. Like I, I'm not perfect, but I can't imagine what mindset I would have to be in to say that to somebody. No, I yeah, I can't <clears throat> even imagine that. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, move to the next one. We were on the same page as far as finances and kids, but not sex. So wish I knew how little he wanted sex and how much I wanted it. We were each other's firsts. Hmm. Well, in the words of the old. Song by Meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> um, that's actually not a laughing matter, but it is, is a song. So go listen to that. You're welcome, Meatloaf. <laughs> um, we're on the same page as far as finances and kids. Those are two things that break marriages. Yeah. Uh, if you're not. So she at least had those. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and here here's an interesting point. A lot of people, when they think of the sexual side of marriage, they they tend to think that the guy is like always the sexual aggressor or the one with the high sex drive, you know, mm-hmm. like I know in our, in our relationship, I am that, that individual. A lot of times mm-hmm. you have one who has a higher, lower, there's usually, you know, balance somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times it's, uh, it can be the woman in the relationship. And in this case, uh, it really sounds like that was it. And apparently, you know, she's divorced and that, that was the thing. Uh, one of the things that obviously was a huge place of friction. So the enemy wasn't, let's go back to the enemy lesson from the marriage battle plan. The enemy wasn't the husband. The enemy was the lack of sex mm-hmm. or the lack of willingness or openness to uh, be sexual in the way that she felt like she needed. Because let's face it, if, you, if you're if you an adult listening to this, you know that 
people all have, you know, tend to have certain things that turn them on or don't. And they don't even know why. It's like their body just responds, gets turned on by certain things. They don't always know why. I'm not saying right, wrong, this or that. doesn't matter. Not my business. We're not going there. Not here, not now, not, you know, not in this moment. But everybody has things that, you know, that their needs crave. And if her husband wasn't willing and open to uh, compromise with that, and I, I say compromise, that's not even the right word, like to to go with the flow and to, and to fulfill her that way and to meet those needs, um, you know, that's obviously something that can destroy a marriage. Mm-hmm. And now if this was something like, hey, they want to go sleep with somebody else, I was like, Okay, well, if you're talking morally, ethically, that kind of thing, I know some people live that way. Again, we come from a more conservative background. We're a monogamous couple, mm-hmm. so you know we don't really touch that topic. Though we know there are people out there that do that. Um, I think you're asking for a ton of trouble, and <laughs> I don't think a whole lot of good's gonna come out of it. But you know, um, anyways, off that topic. So they had they had two things good, but one major foundational piece of marriage didn't work. They had kids and finances right, but the sex life. It wasn't there. So that's a huge piece. Mm-hmm. So what's the lesson here? Have sex. Have lots sex. of it. Lots of sex and be open to mm-hmm. what your spouse wants or yeah. what they say. Like make them comfortable. So it's not awkward when they want to tell you something because look, when they're happy, you're a lot happier. Mm-hmm. Not always, but you can be. So yeah. anytime you can make someone happy, they tend to want to re- reciprocate. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So. Next one, um, uh, those are responses, who he actually was, that we've heard that one uh, a couple times now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's the next one? I wish I knew that he throws his laundry next to the laundry hamper instead of <laughs> inside of it. Guilty. <laughs> and the response to that says, unfortunately, my husband has the same problem with the toilet. <laughs> He's good about the toilet, though. No, I think no, I don't think that means the toilet seat. I think he pees beside the toilet, like kind of shoots everywhere. Oh, I mean, I'm glad he doesn't do that either. (laughs) I don't do that. (laughs) Nope, not typically. All right, uh, the next one says, "I wish I would have known what an asshole he would turn into when we divorced." All right, well, people divorce and brings out the worst in people. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing about divorce too, it involves kids, which that's a primal thing. It involves money. That's a survival thing. People, you know, turn not just selfish, but like more primarily into their survival mode, which is built into us. Yeah. Like biologically, anatomically, psychologically, physiologically, people get pitted in survival mode against each other and it just gets nasty. Yeah. Um, what's that one there? Wish I knew how abusive he would become. Wow. Again, that 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 starts with they got that they got that um, that mask on of being perfect and this great guy, and then you you marry him, and then immediately things change. Yeah, yeah. How he tries to think I have to listen to him. I'm not a child, and no wonder. Uh, and now I wonder about things after being married ten years. I'm so confused. I'm only twenty eight. Mm. So how he thinks I have to listen to him. You know. So. How I'm not a child. So it sounds like he talks down to her. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's a controlling person right there. Yeah. I mean, even when people say, oh, man, Brian, you have a great woman behind you. All those years getting out of the military and your war injury. I always say, look, she was never behind me. She was always beside me. Because in Afghanistan, the women walked behind the husband and the dog 10 feet. Because they weren't worthy to walk next to the husband and the dog. Because over there, the women were considered... In a lot of ways, in many places, I was less than dogs. It was the dog was allowed to walk with the husband. The woman had to be ten feet behind. So my wife, she never walks behind me. She walks beside me. Next one says, "Don't even bother with the final season of Game of Thrones." <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, that's what he wishes he knew. Okay, okay, that's that's okay, okay. What's the next one uh, down here? Knowing to pick your battles and. That reasonable compromise on both ends is key to a healthy relationship. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Why do you like it? I think just because, like, if you just get too much into the nitty-gritty of, like, oh, my gosh, again, he's not putting the socks in the hamper. He's putting them right beside it on the floor. (sighs) You know, like, I don't know, like, 
that's just something that you should just, I don't know, like, does it annoy me? Of course. But like, I don't like nag him about it. I don't get like, I don't get mad about it. I just pick him up and put him in the hamper. But in all honesty, I can be more intentional, intentionable, <laughs> intentional about when I take my socks off and I go to drop it and go, wait a minute and just drop it in the hamper. There's no reason I can't do that and be more intentional. It's, it's such a small deal to me. I don't really think about it. Um, but if it is that big of a deal to her and she communicates that, then I should take the initiative to do that if it makes her happy and makes her job easier. But so, I'm just saying like yeah. the little things like that. Like, and I can own that. You yeah. know, pick, I agree with like picking your battles, like something like that that's so small. It's like, oh, you know, it's fine. Like, yeah, it annoys me, but whatever. Like, I'm not going to like have a huge argument about it because it's not that big of a deal. Like, so that's why I'm saying like picking your battles, like that would be a good example um, oh, but you know, I I think I think a lot of people, let's say, traditionally in the wife's role, if she's cleaning the house all the time and always picking up, I think resentment can grow. Yeah. Out of that, because it's like you know, the wife. I'm just saying the wife in this case. It could be the husband, but mm-hmm. in this case, the wife. It could be she could think to herself, "I clean this house constantly. He always trashes it. Never picks up after himself." Does it even mean anything? I'm not even appreciated. You know, I, this job is never going to be ended because he's always re-dirtying everything after I clean it. That can cause a problem. I know people who have literally divorced over that because it led to other things. Actually led to, for one person, physical health issues. And it, like being with this person was literally killing them. It was literally killing their body. Their physical health was declining. Yeah. And so that's one of those things you have to look at. Again, not for me to say, there's a lot of sides to a divorce and individual cases, but uh, if somebody's physically dying, um, their physical health is being affected, their mental health is just in the gutter uh, because of things like this, you have to really consider that. And it could be as little as starting with not throwing a sock in there. And if you never communicate... But I'm just saying, she's just saying knowing to pick your battle. So I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, don't you know, sweat the little petty stuff that, you know, like little things like, I don't know, it yeah. could be whatever it is for everybody. It's different. But and I, I agree with you. I'm just mm-hmm. taking the opposite side of like, hey, mm-hmm. as the husband, I can pick up my dang socks. <laughs> I can put them in the thing if I remember. And if it means that much to you, why should I not? Mm-hmm. I can own that. And if you're a man listening to this, own it. Put your socks in the hamper. There, that's your lesson for, for this episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this person says, you know, what's one thing you wish you'd have known before you got married? Not to do it. <laughs> no, I remember telling myself that I was wasting my dream wedding on my ex. I love him so much and I don't regret getting married to him, but I wish I would have listened to myself. Mm-hmm. So this person had an intuition. Like, you, sh- you shouldn't do this. Little voice inside, but chose to anyway. Mm-hmm. And apparently didn't work out. Mm. What? What's this? Mm. The next one. What's it say? That I'd be the maid. <clears throat> You be the maid. <laughs> the response. Somebody replied to it. It says, yeah, the maid, the nanny, and the whore is what my ex was looking for before I left. <laughs> that sounds like a typical guy thing. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. Now, would somebody really, if they were being treated, let's just say this. I'm assuming this, this person wasn't treated well. Let's say that spouse, that ex of hers, treated her well. Respected her, took care of her, treated her well, um, and let her know she's appreciated and did things. Would she mind picking up a little bit? Maybe extra for him? Most people wouldn't. Not that he shouldn't. Do it himself. Um, or be the nanny. You know, watch the kids. Or if she says the horror, I'm assuming that means like, you know, what he wanted in the bedroom or she wanted in the bedroom. But then that plays into... If he's not treating her well, she's not going to want to give him sex. Yeah. And that, so guys, goes, and that can go both ways. So, guys, if you want more sex, <laughs> be nice. Do little things that matter. Yeah. Yeah. It always blows my mind. I always say this. Like, you hear about guys who try to force themselves on women. Well, number one, they should be choked. And two, uh, that's actually really pathetic. Not just for the obvious reason, but how... How pitiful is it that a that a, a man in this case would have to force himself on a woman sexually? I mean, if you if you're just nice enough to a woman, and I'm not like simplifying you women, so don't think I'm stereotyping you. 
But if you treat a woman well and mm-hmm. genuinely take care of her, mm-hmm. you'll probably never want for sex. Like, you'll never be in need of it because you'll have as much as you want. It's it's one of those differences between men and women. Guys, we see something and go, boy, there we go. Like, I'm in the mood. It's like, oh, he put his socks in the hamper because we talked about on the podcast. You know, uh, something like that. Or who knows? Or he finally did the dishes when normally he has the kids do them. Hey, they got done, okay? <laughs> yeah. I took a picture the other night and put it on social media. Me doing the dishes. My daughter took the picture. I'm like, yeah, wife's out of town. Like, she's getting home tonight. Gonna have fun. Look at me. I'm doing the dishes. Getting her all hot and bothered. And then I had the kids do them. But she didn't know that. <laughs> Until he posted about it on, yeah, yeah. on social media. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um... Uh, let's see. <clears throat> okay, so this person replies to the last one. We were talking about they were talking about he wanted her to be the maid, the nanny, and the whore. You know, those were the words she used. I'm not. We don't generally use those kind of words on here, but we're just reading responses. So you know, mm-hmm. bear with us if you're offended by these. Um, this person responds and says, "Seriously, I look at my mom and stepdad's relationship, and it breaks my heart. He doesn't do anything and complains when asked to simply do the effing laundry or clean out the sink when he's done." My mom's done everything for him since they got married, and it, well, ticks me off. Yeah, it's like, you really can't, you can't, you can't, you can't do those, those little things. Like, that just sounds like a lazy person. Again, I don't know this person's situation she's referring to, but it sounds based on that. I think he's just lazy mm-hmm. and maybe entitled, has that, that stupid, you know, toxic male syndrome, you know, where it makes us all look bad. By the way, I hate the word toxic masculinity because when people hear that, they think they think they're referring to all men. I don't think most men are toxic. Mm-mm. This toxic masculinity, it's real feminine. Like feminists like to use it and it's just poison. And there, there's toxic women. Trust me, I've met some. Yeah, and I, I know some people. <laughs> but it sounds like that person just had this framework in his head that this is how it should be. And mm-hmm. woman, this is your the way you're going to do it because this is, you know... My dinner better be on the table at five o'clock when I get like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that you're probably not going to do very well in marriage having mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And nobody's going to feel loved if no. you're treating them that way. No, definitely not. All right. So uh, let's see this next one. Be honest about everything. If you're ashamed to say it to your partner, they aren't the one. It's that simple. Mm. <clears throat> so be honest. About everything. If you're ashamed to say something to your partner, they probably they're probably not the one. I think this. Well, yeah, I think that's true. Like, would you want to be married to somebody that you you actually can't talk about everything with? No. I think a lot of people don't know know each other well enough, and they're afraid of how the other person is going to react, mm-hmm. and so they don't say anything, and they go years without saying anything. And that that again, that could be a wedge. That could be an enemy. How are they going to react if I tell them this? Is embarrassing, or are they going to get mad, or is it going to threaten our relationship? You don't know, so you don't say anything, and that that wedge drives in there. Mm-hmm. And this could be in any area, yeah, of your relationship. Um, person says, "Yeah, communication is everything." Um, they said, "You know, I, I fronted and I hid a lot of I hid a lot about myself, or gave up a lot of my goals because my ex didn't want the same things. I wasn't honest, and I was miserable." Mm. So he gave up a lot of things he wanted because he didn't want to tell his ex what he wanted, you know, goals, things like that. And she apparently didn't care about them or, you know, just, you know, try to persuade him against them. So he gave up actually part of who he was to try to make her happy. Mm. Can't do that. Mm -mm. At least if they're, if they're going to disagree with you, at least they know what they're disagreeing with. If you're being honest with them. Yeah. Yeah. Next one. Um, more about myself, but I have been mostly happy for 25 years. Okay. So they wish they would have known more about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that we bring who we are into her. He wishes he would have known that we bring who we are into a relationship and that the better person we are, then the better the relationship marriage experience can be. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Someone who's self-aware, they know themselves. And that, sometimes that just comes with age mm-hmm. and life experience. Yeah. Um, I know this now, though, and I'm in a stage of my life that I have the materials and drive necessary, et cetera, to do what needs to be done 
to improve my future relationship experiences. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. How about the next one? The feeling, the feeling of not even knowing that the end was coming after being together 20 plus years. Oh, wow. Mm. Like not even having a clue. He had no idea. And just out of nowhere. Like 20 years and all of a sudden, one day it's like, mm. we're done. Yeah. Hmm. What was beneath the facade? The true character behind the mask. The mask cracked and fell off within a few days after marriage. A few mm-hmm. days? I've heard that before. I've heard that before, too. A few days. It didn't take long. Got the ring on, and suddenly off comes the mask. Yeah. Mm. If you're in that situation, and it's, like, severe enough, you might, and again, it has to be, you have to do this on your own. You have to decide this is right. Like, if you're being abused, or something like that, something serious and, like, threatening your health or your you know, your mind or your body, if it's dangerous, you need to consider trying to probably get an annulment or something in that case. Uh, Because people hold out thinking, oh, they'll change. Or, like, people who act like that usually don't change. Mm -mm. Not that they can't. I've seen change. I have seen people change, but it's been, like, one in a hundred. Yeah. And it's pro. I mean, odds are it's not your case. It's not yours, your situation. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the next one? The person I married. Where a sex life would end up. Mm-hmm. So I guess that wasn't in a good place, clearly. No. That there are a lot of similarities between a nun and a woman in a long-term relationship. So, so in other words, uh, what he's in, uh, implying, it seems like, is that long-term relationships, you won't have a lot of sex. Hmm. Um, I guess if you don't... That f- that's for his case, but that's not always the case. It's not our case. Nope. <laughs> I've been married 15 and a half years, and... It, it blows us away, the, the stuff we hear. And and it's like, how are you having these and problems? our sex life has never been better. No, it really hasn't. Like, we've gotten to know each other better. Like, mm-hmm. in these things we talk about on here, like, we actually do. Yeah. And so, um, if you married a nun, well, why would you expect to have sex? They're celibate. Mm-hmm. Or they're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Although we did see some smoking cigarettes in southern France, which was funny. She grew up like old-time Protestant, Assemblies of God. And I grew up Catholic, so I've seen... Priest with, you know, stogies and nuns smoking cigarettes. She saw, we saw three, four nuns walking down the streets uh, in southern France. And they were just like. I, I took mean, a picture. I think I have a picture of it somewhere. And she lost her mind. She's like, those nuns are smoking cigarettes. I'm like, yeah, you got to see them like drinking. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, let's see. That it would be a huge waste of time and money, a.k.a. don't do it. <laughs> That that's true in some people's cases. Yeah. Not in all cases, but that is true in a lot of people's cases. And and I don't I don't blame them. I actually my heart goes out to them because that does happen to people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh gosh, that he was a cheater and a liar and thinks of himself as entitled. Yeah, God, those are the worst people. People who think you owe them something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if there's any real fix for that. I just don't like. I don't. I don't think I've ever like. I've seen people change like there's an infidelity and it was like and then they truly were sorry and they truly changed it's few very few and it took a while to earn wife's trust yeah sure yeah but as far as like someone who thinks somebody owes them something Mm -hmm. i don't know that i've ever seen anybody like that change Mm -mm. so that's what you're dealing with i you know the prognosis on that i don't i don't know what the good uh, outlook would be on that and you have to make some decisions if you're there. What do you think? Don't sell your Bitcoin. <laughs> Must be on the rise at the time or that time they commented that. Uh, that you need to feel whole by doing the inner work and look for a mutual partnership instead of your other half. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the best pieces of advice on here. Yeah, it's good. Like get yourself right and don't, you know, and look for a, a mutual, you know, mutual partnership instead of your other half if you have a if you're missing your half that's actually coming from a mindset and a place of lack like i need someone else to to fulfill this side and something you and i always say jamie is mm-hmm. like we don't complete each other that, that stupid jerry Maguire quote you complete me all right it's a movie people like it's hollywood don't take their advice or perception on marriage the whole you complete me that's an unhealthy perspective a better perspective is you compliment me yeah. Who I am, my strengths, my weaknesses, who I am as a whole, you make me a better man. 
and I make you a better woman. Mm-hmm. Like we compliment each other, not yeah. just with words and compliments, but who we are compliments the other person and helps them be a better person. And you have that, you have done that for me. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody needs it, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you can be that for your spouse, they won't, why would they go anywhere? Why would they start looking anywhere? Mm-hmm. Some people get none of that. Then they go to work and suddenly there's this coworker who meets that need, compliments them. And suddenly, you know, that can, that can develop into something and that can cause you a lot of problems. Yeah. There are three things that everyone needs to have a happy, lasting relationship. And if more couples understood that these three things, these three things and implemented them, using them from the start, many problems would not develop to start with. I call them the three A's. Acknowledgement, appreciation, and affection. Acknowledgement, appreciation, and affection. If you're intentional about showing your partner these three things, you'll have a relationship that lasts. <laughs> and the person person commented said, don't forget apologies, a fourth A. So this person says, hey, if you if you acknowledge your partner, if you appreciate them and show them affection and offer apologies when you need to. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. A lot of people don't feel acknowledged. They feel invisible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They feel underappreciated. They do a bunch and all they do is get griped at. And there's no affection, like we said, like a sexless marriage. Like you show me a sexless marriage and I'm going to show you a marriage that's not going to last very much longer. Yeah. And apologies. That's a great one. Yeah. If you're wrong, just admit it. You know, people actually trust you more. Uh, you have more credibility. People trust you more if when you're wrong, you actually do apologize. Mm-hmm. So that's one reason to do it. A second reason to do it is that if someone's taking shots at you and you're already apologizing, you really take the ammo out of their hands. Like they can't they can't keep shooting at you for days and weeks about that thing because you've already apologized. It gets to a point where you're saying like, hey, like they, the, the guys apologize, the ladies apologize. What more do you want from them? And maybe there is something more they want, but you, they need to voice that. Now, I know for me, mm-hmm. like, I grew up, like, apologize, apologize, apologize. And it was even to a point that I would be like, oh, I'm sorry. Apologize when, why? When, yeah. Like, and I didn't even do anything, like, just to make the peace, just to have the peace, uh, apologize. Keep the peace. Okay. And that's <clears throat> not right. And But I grew up that way. Like, oh, just apologize, keep the peace. You well, know, did, no confrontation. But all that did in me was, like, make me mad because I'm like, I didn't do anything. Why am I apologizing? Yeah, that's like if somebody hits you and some, someone says, oh, well, apologize to them just so this is all over. I, both of you apologize to each other. Well, what if she didn't do anything? Mm-hmm. And, and I've said this, too. Like, you know, we say this in the Marriage Battle Plan program mm-hmm. that we have uh, at marriagebattleplan.com. It's an online course that teaches you how to communicate effectively with your spouse using the proven military strategies that the one enemy we talked about today, but there's about six others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing is that actually breeds resentment yeah. over time. Oh, yeah. If over the years you're always the one to apologize and you didn't actually do anything and the other person always just gets to walk away. It's not that you're not a forgiving person, but you're a respectable human being. Mm-hmm. And that's going to breed resentment. And resentment is an enemy, a division that will come between you. Yeah, Absolutely. So, great point there. Mm-hmm. Oh, how verbally and emotionally abusive he was. Mm. Yeah, so he's saying a bunch of mean things and just, eh, just being a jerk. Not treating her well. Not yeah. treating her well. <laughs> what a jackass I was marrying. I'll bet there's a lot of those out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, well, here, I'll tell you what. We're at about 48 minutes right now. We went through a lot. So, like, you probably related to some of these things. Mm-hmm. And if you see these in your relationship, know that these things um, are often the enemy. All right? It's not that your spouse is the enemy. But yeah. these things, the enemy is the enemy is the root cause of the problem you're experiencing. Yeah. That's a key. Write that down if you didn't know that. The enemy is the root cause of... Of the problem you're having. The enemy is not always the problem you're having. The mm-hmm. enemy is the cause of the problem you're having. Mm-hmm. All right? If somebody's poisoning the water at the treatment plant in your town, you know, the fact that people are being poisoned through the water, that's not the enemy. The treatment plant's not the enemy. The enemy is the one sneaking in at night and dipping poison in the water. 
Mm-hmm. And so you got to deal with the enemy. Yeah. You can't just put a, uh, like a bandaid on your forehead. If you have bleeding on your brain, you got to get into surgery. You got to uproot that sucker. Yeah. And that's how it is in your marriage. Mm-hmm. So, um, Jamie, we're coming to a close here. Do you have any other thoughts on what we were talking about? What, like, uh, the one thing that you wish you would have known before we were married, um, any other thoughts about what yours would be or maybe one we didn't say that maybe came to mind or maybe even one that just stood out? Hmm. I just noticed that there were several of them that said, you know, what a pain in the butt they were, you know, for nicer words. Like there was a lot that said that, Yeah. like that they once they got married, well, even that one that was like days later, they yeah. changed. A few days later, and the person just flipped the script. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's probably, I would say that's probably more of a mental health issue. I, I'm not a professional. I'm not diagnosing. But to me, that's that's more than just being in a bad mood. To me, that's, that's deeply disturbing mentally. Mm-hmm. So, look, we always talk about on here that marriage is a battlefield. All right. So, look, if you want more information on this, if you want to know how you can uh, win the battles in your marriage and communicate better with your spouse, using these proven military strategies that we talk about. Again, today, we talked about the enemy, but there's a few others. And uh, you can go on marriagebattleplan.com and get that. Um, Be sure to click subscribe. If you've enjoyed this, do us a favor. We're just a normal couple, just like you. Do us a favor and just hit that subscribe button real quick. All right? Uh, If you're listening to this podcast, wherever you are, uh, do us a favor. If this was good for you, go click the five-star review for us, if you would, and leave a comment. It literally takes 20 seconds out of your day. The next 20 seconds, you can do it while we're talking, I'm sure. But just subscribe. Give us a five-star review if this was a five-star podcast. And leave us a comment. Let me let us know how it was helpful. All right. So, again, marriage is a battlefield. Which, when he says that, it always reminds me of, love is a battlefield. Oh, Pat Benatar. Great <laughs> song. I was raised on classic rock and rated R movies. So, I grew up hearing that song. But, Yeah. Marriage is a battlefield, and when you understand how a battlefield works, you will understand how to make your marriage work. So click subscribe, leave us a five-star review if you think we're worthy of it, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take the next three seconds, just three seconds, and simply click that five-star rating if you feel like this is a five-star podcast. Also, if you want us to keep making these episodes, we can't do it alone. We're just a normal married couple like many of you, and you can help us continue making these episodes by contributing just $4 a month. Yes, just $4 a month. That's literally only 13 cents a day. That's just a dollar a week, a dollar per episode. And let's be honest here. For the quality of advice you get here, you can easily afford to invest just a dollar a week with us. This helps us grow so we can bring you even more value And you also have the chance to get some pretty cool swag out of the deal. So here's what you need to do. Just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes right now and click the link that says support the show. Or you see the word Patreon. It literally only takes 30 seconds to do and it helps us continue helping you and your friends and loved ones in their marriages. So click the link right now that says support the show or Patreon and we'll see you in the next episode.